Welcome to the Unomas podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Kay. Do you find yourself looking for business and marketing advice to help you achieve your goals? Do you find yourself stuck and overwhelmed wondering what methods you can use to scale your business? What strategies should you use to grow your social media influence? And how can you leverage collaborations with some of the industry's most successful and influential entrepreneurs to build brand awareness? With over 13 years as a multipreneur, brand and social media strategist and coach, I invite you to join thousands of other listeners and me each week in elevating your brand, business, and life. With a foundation of faith and talking all things productivity, social media, business strategies, marketing, and growth, I help you pursue your God-given purpose and redefine success by creating a wildly successful, sustainable, and profitable digital-based business. But that's not all. Enjoy my collaborative conversations and interviews with industry-leading entrepreneurs to hear the best kept secrets and learn the skills and tactics they use so you can tackle your biggest goals along the way. The Uno Mas podcast is here to inspire you to dream, think, and do big. Stop feeling overwhelmed, confused, and stuck at a standstill and start feeling confident, productive, and fueled with purpose in your life and business again. Hello, we are back for another episode and today I am speaking with Melissa Rowe all about the power of connections. Melissa is a professional songwriter, author, and speaker with over 20 years experience and her entrepreneurial spirit has led her to successfully start her own music publishing company, Rhyme Partners, on Nashville's Music Row in 2013. And since then, she's expanded her brand to include booking live events. And in 2021, she became a best-selling author. Her most recent book publication entitled God, Gratitude, and Giving is getting rave reviews from everywhere. And it's available on Amazon. Melissa is passionate about sharing her story of life, success, heartache, and restoration with audiences from around the world. And guess what, everyone? We get the honor of speaking with her. Well, I get the honor of speaking with her today, but you get the honor of listening in to this awesome conversation. I am going to be talking to her about her journey as an entrepreneur and the connections that she made along the way in the music industry that have led to amazing opportunities that she has flourished with creating the brand that she has created today. So let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, Melissa. So I am truly honored to sit down and have this conversation with you today. And I'm really, really intrigued by all that you've been doing with all of your different brands. So I'm really interested though, to hear a little bit more about your journey, your story, and what inspired you to create Rhyme Partners. Well, first of all, Whitney, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to work with you. I just think you're amazing. So thank you. Um, Yeah. Where to jump in? Because 
the truth of the matter is that um, I'm so excited about all the different brands and things that I'm doing, but I'll back it up a little bit and tell you about Rhyme Partners. So I moved to Music City back in 2007, and it that had been a lifelong dream of mine to get to Nashville, um, you know, and just figure out this songwriting thing. When I was young, I just, I could hear lyric and melody, and I just had the ability to write songs, and I taught myself to play instruments and that kind of thing. But I had no idea that uh, being a songwriter was actually a career. I think I thought that um, the artists that sing the songs, I just naturally thought they were the ones who wrote them. Um, so to find out that there are songwriters, and, and this is a long time ago, obviously, you know, <laughs> I know that now, but um, that was the beginning of all of it. I just wanted to get to Nashville. I cultivated some relationships and finally made that leap. Um, that move so many years ago, and I jumped right into the music business. It wasn't an easy thing to do. I mean, I I, I had just told myself that, you know, I wasn't going to um, get any other job outside of the music business because I had done that for so many years. Because by the time I moved to Nashville, I was already in my mid thirties, and that's another whole story. But I had a son really young, and I decided that I would not uproot him from you know his family, his father and stuff for my dream. So I waited till he was a senior in high school. And then I finally made the leap um, to Nashville. And I was hopeful that he would come with me eventually, um, <laughs> you know, when he got out of school and he'd want to come to Nashville and that kind of thing. But um, so I got, I told myself that I didn't want to do anything because I had spent years and years working outside of the music industry. Initially, that was really hard. And I was getting to the point where I was like, uh-oh, okay, I might just have to take any old waitressing job. Um, and I, I had gone to a uh, temporary service and I begged them for a job somewhere in the industry. And I remember the woman saying to me, you know, there's about 200 Belmont uh, students in front of you. All these people want to work in the music industry. You know, why would I bump you? Don't um, expect that I'm going to call you with a music industry job, industry job anytime soon. I've got lots of other work and there's lots of other people ahead of you. And I was like, Ah, oh, bummer, but I still prayed about it. And um, one day I was on the verge of um, having to take a different job. And I actually was uh, going to start <laughs> a waitressing job. This is a true story. I was really bummed out about it. I was sad. I was just like determined, but the months had been going by and I needed to make some money. Um, and I was on my way on West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee, that runs straight into famous Broadway in Tennessee. Um, on West End is a PF Chang's. And I was going to start my first day of waitressing there. And no kidding, on my way there, um, there was a detour and there were fire trucks everywhere. And that day, <laughs> I'm laughing, it's not funny, but that day, PF Chang's had a kitchen fire. They'd caught on fire. Oh, no. Yes. And I sat there in disbelief and I thought to myself right then and there, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like on one hand, I was like, okay, I'm going to make some money, you know, some tips, whatever. And the other hand, I was dreading it. And so I turned around, I went back home. I had my little cry about it. And I'm like, this is harder than I thought as a lot of people who moved to music city have found out and they have their own story. And the reason I'm kind of telling this fast is because I just want to get to the whole rhyme partner question, but I thought that this would be kind of fun for listeners and for you to know. Um, so I went back home and I cried. And the next morning I got a phone call from that temp agent and she said to me, okay, don't get excited. I've got a three-day job for you only. 
Um, the office manager's got to be out, but this is not long-term. It's at Great American Country, which is the big video network, just like CMT. Great American Country is um, owned by Scripps Networks that owns HGTV and all the big channels. So they own GAC. And I remember hanging up from that call and having a moment with God and saying, I'm going to somehow turn three days into three years. Long story short, that's exactly what I did. I ended up working at Great American Country for several years. I cultivated a lot of incredible relationships. Ultimately, though, I was feeling a little bit like a bird in a cage because I was working full time and I'm meeting all the people that are doing what I want to be doing. And obviously, I would do as much as I could after work and play shows and ingrain myself in that side of the music industry, too. Um, but I made the decision to um, leave Great American Country after a couple years and um, start my own publishing company. <laughs> so I laugh when I say that because there were lots of bumpy roads doing that. And that old statement that ignorance is bliss couldn't be truer for me because I don't know anyone. Um, maybe there are a few, but there probably aren't many outside of myself that would ever uh, venture into starting a publishing company without millions of dollars in investment, um, just knowing what I know now. Uh, so I had to kind of work backwards because um, the publishing world is, um, uh, there's a lot to know about it. And I just simply didn't know. And so I learned a lot over the years. And I'm really proud of the fact that um, here I am, you know, in 2022, Ryan Partners is thriving, but I've built my company, yes, on publishing and creating songs and working with artists and building catalogs of songs and getting them placed in movies and commercials and different things like that. I I can hardly believe it when I'm saying it because it's, it's amazing um, from where I started to where I actually am. But a lot of that was built on me creating opportunities for myself. I love that because that segues right into my next question, but something I'm not sure we've ever shared and my following who listens to the podcast knows this, but I don't know if you do. Um, when you mentioned that you moved to Nashville and you waited because you didn't want to take your son and uproot him and whatever, that is the same thing that happened to me. I went through my divorce. I moved here to Texas. I still left because I was just in a very toxic point in my life. And I needed it for me to be a better, a better mother to him ultimately, but I did not want to uproot him. So that's where this whole long distance came in because I let him stay behind with his father and his family. And I still ended up moving and coming here, but making that trip back and forth to see him. So we have a lot of similarities there, which I think is really cool. And now that he's getting older, you know, there's that part of me that's like, maybe he'll want to come down and stay with me, but yeah. Well, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> well, and if you, I, yes. So then if you're anything like me, then you probably realized somewhere along the way too, that you grossly um, underestimated how much you would miss him. And you probably did a lot of back and forth as I did. Um, you know, I, uh, back then um, Southwest flights were a lot cheaper and I feel like I went home every weekend, just about. Um, and then as the years went on, <clears throat> I, I really, 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 you know, I talked to my son every single day and I'm extremely close with him. Um, he's a little bit older than your, your little guy now, but yeah, I, I missed him a lot. That was really, really hard. And, um, 
for anyone out there listening, I talk a little bit more about that in my recent book, God, Gratitude in Giving that I just published. And while um, the music industry has been such a blessing, and I touch a little bit on my journey in that book, that book is more about the human spirit. And that book is more about the power of those three words and how they actually got me through my journey, because, you know, it really is those of us my parents and, um, you know, who've been through marriages or divorces, um, businesses, entrepreneurs, um, working for corporate companies. It doesn't matter. You know, we all have a story and a journey and I guarantee you somewhere along the way, um, you know, we do what we do, but there's always more behind it. There's always that, uh, what is that thing that grounded you? And for me, that was the experience of those three words. And so I finally, finally, got around to uh, telling that story and putting that book out. So that's been really exciting for me lately. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love it. Well, that is one of your greatest abilities and that is to create opportunities, opportunities, in fact, that have led you into the creation and collaboration of many brands. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about because not only do you have the book, but you have so many other things going on because of the opportunities that you have kind of created for yourself. I.e. let's go back to the temporary job where they told you three days and that segued into a couple of years. You really opened the door for yourself by just having that cracked door open. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think it starts definitely with a mindset and, you know, maybe we've all heard it before, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. It it truly is how you frame things, how you think things like you, are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? I mean, um, there's a running joke out there and I know I'm going to get it wrong, but it just said something about like, I am realistic, you know, I'm something about a unicorn, but anyway, (laughs) I, I think, you know, you listen, I mean, they say shoot for the stars. If you miss, you land among them. Um, you can't hear that enough because it's really true. The thing is I knew, and I've known since I was a little girl that, um, I'm a songwriter. Um, You know, maybe I had to work that out in my mind because maybe early on I was like, well, I like to sing. I like, and then I found out, you know, oh, you can be such a thing as a performing songwriter. And believe me, there's a difference between a performing songwriter and an artist. And I never really pictured myself in a stadium with 300,000 people, although I could picture that now if I got an opportunity to share my book and my story that way, and maybe some songs along with it. But I'm happy telling my stories through songs and having artists cut them and put them out to the world and do what they do so brilliantly. Um, But yes, so I've always had the mindset that instead of sitting back and sort of waiting on, you know, someday that this song would come about and it would just happen to fit perfectly for an opportunity. Those things do happen, happen, you know, timing and preparation have been a big deal for me and, and some success, but also just sort of recognizing, um, I was writing with a young artist. Her name is Mary Sarah. She is wonderful. She in fact was on the voice and made it to the top five with team Blake. And, um, she, she's just a really hardworking, beautiful young girl. And she and I had been writing together and, uh, she had been sort of going on a little bit of a mini tour with the boot barn, who is a big Western wear brand, mostly out West, but they've got hundreds and hundreds of stores and they were opening more. And at the time she was kind of going to the new stores and she was doing their grand openings. She was singing and uh, that was a pretty good gig for her. And so her and I were in a writing session one day and I just said, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a song for the brand Boot Barn? And she's like, no, I I haven't, but that's a good idea. So that's 
that is where that um, started. And that turned into a uh, two-year national radio ad campaign for them, a song that we um, co-wrote called Dress Up This Town. And uh, I negotiated uh, close to a $50,000 contract with them on that. And so that is a prime example of um, creating an opportunity. Now, I I can't say that, you know, every single one of them are that easy, um, but why not? Why not try? Um, You know, there were a lot of steps involved along the way and a lot of negotiating and a lot of, you know, um, back and forth. Uh, but ultimately they were really excited. And the first time around, um, you know, when that day in that session, that's not the song they ended up using. They actually, Sarah, uh, Mary Sarah went to them and talked to them about it. And they said, well, Hey, what we'd really like you to talk about is this, this, and this. So then she brought that back to the session and we wrote about, we wrote and we hit on some points that they, they wanted and th- there was no editing. They loved it. And she went in the studio and recorded it. And next thing you know, it's a national, you know, campaign for them. So um, that was really neat. And so I've also um, been able to create other opportunities in the same similar fashion. Um, I'm working with a, a group of girls, American Blonde, a duo, a sister duo that are phenomenal. They're on the road touring. They're doing a lot of amazing things. They've got you know, about a hundred thousand followers on Facebook and they've got 30 or 40,000 on. So not too, too bad. They've worked hard at their, and, um, they recently said to me, you know, Natalia, the principal, the lead singer, she's also an avid race car driver. And she said to me, Hey, I know it's a little late in the game, but we, if there's any way we could play music city grand prix, um, I would love to do that. And so that, that was, I knew when they asked me, Music City Grand Prix is in its second year. It's it's happening in August, and uh, there's a lot of partners involved. But Big Machine, the record label um, that housed Taylor Swift for so many years, is involved. Scott Borchetta, and so it's a big deal. The Music City Grand Prix is becoming a big deal. This is their second year, and this year they've got Tim McGraw headlining. Um, so by this point, they've got their acts in place. Um, so without going too crazy in, into um, all of the detail of this, I'll take up so much time talking here, but the bottom line is um, these girls really wanted to play. I knew that they fit this brand well because Natalia races her Porsche every weekend and she's in a few race racing clubs and her father was a race car driver and that kind of thing. So reached out to them and I made that happen uh, for them. So they're going to be playing two shows at the Music City Grand Prix. And But the truth of the matter is that authentically, it's it's a good partnership. And so that's the point that I want to make is being authentic. I don't think that it's wise to go out and try to create opportunities that you're just trying to make fit that are not really authentic. And so a lot of times I find that when you're being 100% authentic, people, um, and you're bringing them value, even though it's Music City Grand Prix. And obviously for these girls, you know, the scale is more tipped in favor of bringing them visibility because of, you know, what could we do for them? But, but that was one of the things that I did is I wanted to say to them, hey, 
you know, here are the things that we can do to promote and here's what we will do. And by all means, you know, that's exactly what we're going to do. And so if we can be even the littlest bit responsible for some ticket sales for them, we certainly are doing our part um, for thanking them for allowing those girls at this late hour to not just play one show, but two shows on the different stages uh, of, of the Music City Grand Prix, because it happens in Nashville. Um, it happens on a Friday through Monday. So it's wow. kind of a long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I love that you touched on authenticity because, you know, you might go in with the intention of this might be a really good collaboration. This might be a really good opportunity, but then finding out really quickly that things just don't align correctly, you know, and not forcing that relationship, not forcing that opportunity to come about, not forcing that collaboration, but ultimately listening not only to yourself and, um, you know, what your body is telling you and what your mind's telling you, but just being authentic to who you are in that relationship and to yourself and saying, this is really great, or this might not be the best thing for me and just kind of moving on. But a lot of that comes from, building relationships, you know, that, that true authentic relationship that comes about to open those doors of opportunities. And that I think is something you're really gifted at doing. And I love that about you. So my question next to you would be, you know, what is your opinion in building those relationships? Like, what does that look like for you? You know, because there is power in the relationships. There's power in building that network, because ultimately, in my opinion, and you can disagree if you'd like, but opportunities wouldn't necessarily happen if we weren't actively strengthening those relationships that we have with people to be able to open those doors for us and possibly have us step through and see what can come about of that. So how important are relationships to you and and how does that work for you as far as building them in business? I absolutely love this question, Whitney, for a couple reasons. So thank you for asking. Um, So recently I um, contributed a chapter to, well, a couple chapters to a, a series of anthologies called Everyday Woman's Guide. The first one was Everyday Woman's Guide to Doing What You Love, in which I wrote a chapter in there called The Day I Cried in the Meadow, which is a really cool story. But the second anthology is called Everyday Woman's Guide to Success in Your Business. And I contributed a chapter called Relationships. And what I did was I highlighted ships and I talk about, um, the in this chapter, the importance of how um, relationships are, are like a vessel. You know, their ships. They're so important. Like we together, we can go far versus being in a lone boat. You know, by ourselves. And so, how important it is to cultivate relationships. And so, you're exactly right. And so, my the other part of that question was, and I loved it so much, is because my I guess my biggest thing that I would say about relationships is patience. Uh, for example, I, if I meet someone today that's in a position of affluence or a position of gain, like I could possibly see like, oh, this person, you know, could easily open this door for me. Well, I don't immediately go there because I think to myself, for me, I decided a while back that this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in the music business for years to come. And so I think that the key is it's important to build relationships. Um, You know, sometimes it's a, it's a, a lot of it is about discernment. Sometimes the moment is okay right then and there to say, 
oh, hey, you know, I've, I've been hoping uh, to run into you or I would like to talk to you about this. And, and you just have to kind of fill that out. But oftentimes what I have found for me and my comfort level is um, say, you know, I made that head of that label. I don't immediately hit that person up uh, to bring an artist in or to force a relationship. Rather, I see it as, wow, the next time I see that person, I'll be a familiar face to them. And I just trust that I'm going to bump into that person another few times. And then when I feel more comfortable that, it, that I, they at least remember who I am and that we've established something that didn't, I didn't, didn't feel like to them that I was just in their face or that, um, you know, I, I build some kind of rapport typically before I ever venture into asking someone for something. Um, and a lot of it, oh, a lot of it is timing. You know, I used to, I used to kind of buck that statement years ago about timing and I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm just, I know you got to make things happen when it, but I do really trust timing and discernment and you, your solar plexus tell you, you know what you may have been waiting. I'll just make this random scenario up, but I know people can apply this cross apply it to different situations, but say I have been waiting a year or two to bump into this person at an event and I see them and I'm finally like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go introduce myself. I'm going to make my presence known, but guess what? I may have waited a year, but that person is either wrapped up in another conversation, or you can tell by the look on their face, they are just not in the mood or it is not the right moment. And I have had to tell myself, well, waited two years to see this person out on the street, but now is not the moment to go shake their hand. And I just let that moment just pass. Now, some people would say, no way. I'd rush up and introduce myself no matter what, but you've got to feel those moments out and they make all the difference or they can become really awkward. And I have watched awkward situations. And I'm like, no, because at the end of the day, if you are authentic with who you are and you believe in what you're doing, then you trust the journey. The journey is the reward. You know, you're going to get where you're going. Enjoy the journey and the mystery of it too. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is by Albert Einstein. It says the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. So I learned to um, find beauty in the mystery. Now, you know, I will say again, though, it is a balancing act because there are absolutely moments where you're like, shoot, I should have done this. I missed that opportunity. So that's my take on relationships. No, it's, it, I think it's being aware. Mm -hmm. I think having that awareness is key. It's so funny that you mentioned your example right there, because that, that is something that recently happened to me. I have been waiting to unlocked. Okay. I'll just say my father passed when I was a little girl, when I was six years old and he left me some letters, um, to not read until I was older. And I have been waiting for years for that right moment to open these letters and hear what he had to say to me before he passed. 
And my aunt has these letters and there's some other things that she's been meaning to talk to me about. Now we talk on the phone all the time. I could have this conversation with her any day, but it's having that right moment, you know, and she came in town. Ironically, she came through Texas and she came in town. She's like, I'd love to see you. Maybe we can have that talk when I'm there. And she came over. This was the first time she was meeting my new husband because we had a very private wedding. Only six people were there. She was not one of them. Um, I love her. I love you. If you're listening, it was nothing personal. She just wasn't there. And when she came in town, I just, I sat there the whole time thinking she's meeting my husband for the first time. She's seeing my new daughter for the first time. This is just not the time, right? This is just not the time as bad as I wanted it, as bad as I wanted that conversation. It just wasn't the time. And in my belief, I feel that God will allow that time to happen when it's intended to happen. So we just let it pass. And my sister then later said, but why didn't you, you had the moment, like, why didn't you just do it? Like, why didn't you? And I had to explain, it just wasn't the time. And, you know, those opportunities will happen, but I love that you're just talking about that awareness because you do have to be aware of that, even in the relationships that you're building. Um, I always say that we're in this world now where we're so quick to get rather than realizing we need to give more first before we ever ask to receive anything. So that's, that's a powerful tool in relationships. If you step forward and how can I help this person rather than thinking, how can this person help me in the end, I feel like you're going to get way more out of that relationship than you ever really maybe intended because you're going into it with that, that servant heart. I absolutely could not agree more because, you know, that was one of the questions and one of very sincerely too, that I wanted to approach, um, even an organization as big as the music city grand prix. I know, I mean, I run a small business, but I also know that within that, um, you know, there have different struggles on a different scale, whether that's trying to get ticket sales or volunteers or, um, whatever it is. And if each artist or each person or each vendor can do their share of, you know, shouting it out and doing what they can, well, then the entire thing, you know, makes the event successful. And so I come from a very sincere place of like, how can we all win in this? And that is where the magic happens typically. Um, But if you're just kind of on the take and it just never, I mean, the gig is up really fast. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's that's funny. And I liked the pun. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love this. I love the brands that you've been able to create. I love, you know, the business that you have. And I just love how you are actively out there every single day, making those connections and making those opportunities, not only available to you, but available to the people that you interact with, which I think is even more amazing. When you, when you can become the key link in a, in a network, meaning you're connecting person to person and seeing those opportunities and, Oh, I know somebody that can help you. And it's just such a great collaborative effort and you're doing that. And I just, I see it and I acknowledge it. And you're just, you're such a person with a warm heart. And I'm just so glad that we connected, but I want to make sure that all of our listeners, you know, can follow you and stay tied close to your journey and the partnerships that you're creating and the brands that you're creating and the opportunities that you're opening up, not only for yourself, but others. So where can people follow you? What are, what are some projects you're working on that you're excited to share? Maybe that you haven't already tell us all the things so we can stay close to what you're doing. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Whitney. I love that. And I love what you do because you're giving a voice to all of this. So thank you. And you're so good at it. Guys, if you need someone to (laughs) audit your social media, um, just to give you insight into this world, visibility, my gosh, Whitney just did an audit for us, but she also was a guest um, for a book collaboration I'm doing. And everybody just loved her. So bring this girl into your circle. Um, so if you go to melissabolearo.com, pretty much everything about me, um, links to my books on Amazon and links to rhyme partners, music publishing is there and a link to, um, speak life in bullying the musical. Um, I want to touch on that because that was a project that I had, the good honor and blessing. I, I, I still, I could get emotional. I won't get emotional, but I will just tell you that as a songwriter, I think you go through your career, you know, just dreaming about that song that everybody's going to recognize you for someday. Right. At least, you know, you think that that's the pendulum, like that's, that's the Holy grail. And that's a great thing. I mean, I think that's what you yearn for. If you authentically do what you do as a songwriter, you want that timeless song that will just live out there and people will know you for it. Um, But what happened for me recently was um, I was given the opportunity to write all the music for Speak Life in Bullying, the musical. And um, it it, it is a big project um, that was backed by the Justin Simmons Foundation. And Justin Simmons is on the Denver Broncos and he has, you know, that his foundation. So he backed this project. And so they were looking to replace these songs that they were, had been using because they weren't able to license them. They were Katy Perry and Kelly Clark, like bigger, bigger artists. And so sometimes it becomes very difficult to license those kind of songs for one reason or another. Um, but so they were looking to have someone write their own and thank God for all the volunteer work giving that I did in the years past because they didn't really know where to start. So they were just doing outreach and they were Googling um, bullying and songwriters. And so they came across me a few times because I had gone in previous years. I'd done some work with an organization called the beat of life. And we'd gone into some of the elementary middle schools and we worked with the students and uh, wrote them, you know, some anti-bullying songs. It's just a way of helping them kind of get out their frustrations and work through some of the bullying that goes on in middle school and beyond. And so anyway, they found me that way. They found a couple other people. And so they did sort of a series of these little Zoom interviews and I was chosen. And I remember just staring at the ceiling. I couldn't get emotional. I talk about this because I said, it's okay. And I thought to myself, well, not only is this a really big deal because there's a contract in place and it's like 12 pages long. And I want to be sure that I can live up to this contract. There was also a deadline. And also it was just, I want to do a great job. This musical, they, this, um, Dan and Rebecca, who created this Dan and Rebecca bird, who created this musical spent 13 or plus years of their life, getting this into schools and knocking on the doors of principal's offices and really working hard all the choreography and everything that they've been doing. And now they were on a mission to get this in a million schools, you know, all over the U S and I was like, wow, this is a big deal. Well, fast forward. I got through those sleepless nights. I, 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 I leapt in, I signed that contract with fear sitting on my right and my left shoulder, <laughs> you know, mainly because I wanted to do a great job. 
anyway, it was probably one of the most successful, one of the best projects I'd ever done. We stayed on our timeline. Um, I was able to create all this music, help produce it. And now they're even teaching in the schools, in their curriculum, they're teaching these songs. So back that up. Um, no matter what I do from here forward, that is one of the greatest honors of my life to know that uh, these songs will live years beyond me and they will change students' minds and hearts um, because it is tragic what happens um, with bullying. And it's far worse with our digital age than it was even when I was in middle school and I used to have to in seventh grade, I used to have to walk by these ninth grade girls every day to go to my class. There was absolutely no other way for me to walk unless I just went around the school building and walked on the highway. So every day, <laughs> these girls and they would, they, I remember being scared to death. They would say something to me like, um, don't you, you just keep walking. Don't look at us. And we're going to smack the freckles right off your face. And, um, I remember that statement so clearly because when you're a child, you're like, wow, you're going to hit me hard if you're going to slap the freckles right off of my face, you know? So I was bullied, um, not to the level that some kids are bullied today, but I certainly felt it. And a lot of people do, and it's an epidemic and it's horrible. Um, so all that to say, um, I've had the honor of Garth Brooks daughter, Allie Colleen, who is an incredible artist. I've written with her and she's released a single that she and I wrote that is on Sirius XM and you know, got her, her dad's approval on that song. So that's pretty neat. And I've written some other uh, substantial songs for um, household names, but still for me, um, writing that musical will always be the greatest honor. And so if you listening out there, <laughs> um, moms, especially they've started a, um, an organ, they've started within speak life, um, productions, a mom ambassadors program where you can get involved and actually uh, go to your children's school and present this musical to get in the schools. And so they're doing outreach like that in many other ways. And also just if you're someone interested in being a donor to the, the cause, you can go to speaklifemusical.org um, and find out more about that. So, oh my gosh, I love it. I, I mean, just the passion that you have for everything that you're doing, you can just tell that whatever you put your hands on, I can tell that your whole heart and soul goes into it. And I just think that's absolutely beautiful. And you're making a wave of impact. And I think that's super powerful because you've been able to open these doors of opportunity for yourself, but not only that, you're opening the doors of opportunity for other people to really find hope. And I think that's really cool. And it's really beautiful. You know, it goes back to being authentic. I mean, we can, we can try so much to just fit in different molds, but really sit with your heart and, you know, find out what you're truly passionate about and be completely authentic. And I don't, I don't know how it cannot happen because, um, I believe that the universe responds to truth. I believe I just do. I've seen it with, in, in the music business, I've seen artists, whether you love them or hate them. Um, I'll use someone like he's, you know, been around a long time now, but very famous, um, Eminem. And when he uh, first came on the scene many years ago, he was a very angry 
child. And he wrote very angry lyrics, but Eminem rose to fame. And I, I firmly believe it's because he was speaking his truth. And guess what? There were other kids out there in those horrible situations. And that was also their truth. And, you know, another one um, is Taylor Swift. I mean, I remember when, you know, um, I was working at Great American Country and she was just 15, 16 years old and coming through those doors, promoting her videos. And she was just breaking out on the scene. But you know what? She was awkward and she was funny. And she she was every other 15 year old at the time that was in their room, just trying to understand life and relationships. And she does have, in my opinion, a beautiful voice, but um it has grown into even, you know, a much bigger, beautiful voice now, but at that time she still had a younger 15 year old voice. And so it wasn't like, she was like this grand type of singer. She was actually sounded like the girls that were listening to her in her bedroom. So enough about that. It's just that we've touched on a lot of that in, in this conversation. And so it's worth um, just repeating that being authentic is always going to be the answer. Oh my gosh. I appreciate this conversation so much. And I adore you and the person that you are. And for anybody that's listening, please go follow her. I will share everything in the show notes and the description below. So make sure to click around and keep, keep this wonderful woman in your back pocket as far as somebody of importance to follow, because she will definitely brighten up your day. So thank you, Melissa. Oh my gosh. Ditto. Everything you just said. Thank you, Whitney. It's been a pleasure. I've just really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode of Uno Mas podcast. What can you do to help support me moving forward? Well, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform leave a review and a rating because it's your reviews that matter most. And it's your reviews that help us get this show found by new listeners and share this podcast with your friends, family, and followers on all your social media accounts. Tag me social savvy influencer and at Uno Mas podcast for a listener spotlight on our social media accounts. And lastly, if you're ready to take your brand and business to the next level, learn how to create simplified strategies, grow your social media influence, create an impact and build a sustainable and profitable online business, then join me inside the business savvy university. This is an exclusive paid membership network and learning platform for service-based female entrepreneurs and coaches ready to build, launch, and scale their success. Access over 72 hours of training content, tools, resources, and guest trainings from top industry leaders and influencers. So what are you waiting for? Come and join me inside by visiting businesssavvyuniversity.com. Until next time.